those regular listeners to the program out there, you've probably already listened to part one of Jacqueline Vieira Iloff's interview. But if you're just joining us today, welcome. And I want to encourage you to make sure and go back and listen to part one. To recap, in the last interview, we defined what fear looks like and discussed just how powerful faith really is to a believer. Again, Jacqueline is the senior advisor of Joel Osteen Ministries and has a very impressive resume, which includes serving as a media liaison for the Republican National Committee and also serving as a Reagan administration appointee under Secretary of Transportation Elizabeth Dole. In today's episode, we talk about Jacqueline's experience working for Joel Osteen Ministries and also discuss some very practical and helpful steps to overcome the someday disease. Our goal for you in this two-part series is to overcome your insecurities and make a plan to accomplish your dreams. Jacqueline's new book is called What If You Could Find Faith in the Face of Fear. And here she is for part two, Jacqueline Vieira Iloff. Welcome back to this special two-part interview. Our guest is Jacqueline Vieira Iloff. Her book is What If You Could Find Faith in the Face of Fear. Jacqueline, welcome back to the Lucas Miles Show. Thanks. Thanks for having me back. It's a pleasure. I just had so much fun yesterday talking through these concepts. I mean, you talked about some of my favorite things, overcoming fear, the book of Job, politics in D.C. I mean, that's like a party for me. I love it. It's awesome. Now, what we didn't talk about yesterday was your other role when you're not writing best-selling books, and that is that you're a senior advisor and minister at Joel Osteen Ministries and Lakewood Church, just a small church down in Houston. Tell us, what do you do at Lakewood and for Joel Osteen Ministries, and how long have you been there? I'm going on eight years on staff, but I've been here for close to 20 years in one role or another as volunteer. And what I do is I try to bring my background of public relations and marketing to the table because we touch so many platforms. There's so much that we are blessed to be an influence in across the country. So I get to do a lot of things that don't fall under the technical ministry. It's more community liaison. I get to work with the mayor's office and with community leaders, our legislators, and the folks in Washington, not on a political basis, but on a ministerial basis. We work with the Elizabeth Dole Foundation and caregivers, and Joel is a spokesperson on faith issues for that organization, so I represent him to that. I'm very blessed. I have a ministry called Generation Hope Project that whenever we do America's Night of Hope, which if you're familiar with our ministry, is our on-the-road service that we do across the country. When we work with Major League Baseball to present these opportunities in stadiums, we work with the community to bring service projects to the community or take advantage of projects that are already in place and help bring volunteers to those organizations. So we work with Habitat for Humanity and local churches and other organizations around the country to bring people who want to make a difference in those communities as a volunteer. We build houses, we clean yards, we do whatever it takes. We bring special needs rooms to schools and church organizations. It's very widespread. But, you know, again, God just gives me favor 
to walk into the mayor's office in Atlanta or Detroit or Washington, D.C., and say, you know, what do you need to have done in your city? And they tell me, you know, we really have these organizations that need help, and we bring 300 volunteers and put them into those organizations. And for a day or two, we usually work for two days, we make a difference to somebody. And the reports and the messages that we receive back from those communities and the people who volunteer are amazing stories. I mean, God does such awesome things when we step up. I'll give you a quick example, if I may. One of our volunteers grew up in Florida. He comes from a very humble background, and he was bullied as a kid in his school by this individual. So he joined with us when we went down to Miami and was put into an environment at random. We're not a respecter of persons. We take volunteers and and stick them into whatever job is required, and hopefully everything works out well, which it does. But we sent him to this one location, and at this location, he sat down with a gentleman who was pretty down on his luck, and they got to talking, and they realized that they had known each other in school. Well, not only just had known each other in school, but this was the guy that had bullied the volunteer. Wow. And there was reconciliation and forgiveness. I mean, I could not have orchestrated that in my wildest dreams. God knew exactly what was going to happen. And that just gives me chills that I get to be a part of helping God orchestrate that. I mean, he would have done it without me, but I was willing. So there I was to help. Those are the kinds of things that I get to do here. And being part of this ministry is such a joy. We have a movie night every month here at at the church where we bring in first-run previews of movies that are going to be out in theaters and give our audience an opportunity to tell the filmmakers what they liked about the movie so that we can encourage Hollywood to make better films. I mean, that's favor. That's Joel's position in the world, giving us favor to be an influencer. I can go on and on and tell you stories about the opportunities that come across my desk and how blessed I am to be able to be a part of all of that. I've always been really impressed with everything that happens down at Lakewood and through Joel Steen Ministries. As we talked offline, I had an opportunity to meet Joel about a little over a year ago, and he was just so genuine. And it was a short meeting, but it was during that five to seven minutes that we were talking or whatever it was, you felt like you were the only person in the room with him, just that level of attentiveness and just compassion as a person. And I know that you guys are doing some incredible things in the community, you know, throughout the country. And even where I've seen it the most is in local churches. You know, you guys through Champions Network and other things, you guys are really getting behind the local church across the country and probably around the world, even more than I realize in powerful ways. And so I think the body of Christ is just really blessed by what you guys are doing. So thank you. Thank you. We believe that people need to go and commune in a church environment. And we can't be that church to everybody. Obviously, you know, we're, we're in Houston and we don't have satellite churches like other churches do. But what we do is we take pastors around the country. We have a network of 500 pastors that we encourage people to go to those churches because they are similar to us. They have the same kind of message. They are affiliated with our way of thinking. 
And we're blessed to have the most amazing pastors around the country. We're just delighted. Some are mega pastors and some are small churches, but we're blessed to have all of them because they feed the flock. That's really cool. I have one of your, I believe, a pastor from the Champions Network, uh, Torrey Roberts, is going to be on the program in a couple of weeks here. So Great. Okay. I want to make sure we get plenty of time because I got more questions about the book, Jacqueline. So we got to get into this here. So. Let's get back talking about this idea of fear and faith. You mentioned towards the end of the program yesterday about this idea of setting goals. And I've always said that someday is a disease. It's just one of those things that, you know, it's just an excuse that we use for, I'm going to get to this later, which really means I'm afraid to do it today. How do we, how do we deal with kind of that initial step? when we're trying to apply faith to our lives and overcome the fear that holds us back? Well, I think a really good way to start is by writing it down. Write the plan. You know, Habakkuk says, write the plan. And there's a reason for that. Because when you set your thoughts down on paper, you can see them in front of you. They're not just bouncing around, you know, somewhere in in the rooms of your mind, but you see them and you can set priorities. Okay, this is what I want to do first. This is what I want to do second. This is how I'm going to accomplish those goals. And then you start saying, okay, I want to own my own business. So what are the steps I need to take to own my own business? I need to set a five-year plan, a three-year plan. I need to set aside a business plan. I need to create a budget. All of those things, all of a sudden that becomes tangible and doable because as the saying goes, you eat the elephant one bite at a time. <laughs> yes. You know, that's what you got to do. You got to step up. You got to take one step at a time. And if you just let it ruminate, it's so easy to have that someday disease. Well, someday I'll do it and someday it'll come. Or, or you know, God will magically deposit this perfect business in front of me. Well, no, that's not how it happens. (laughs) You have to prioritize your goals. And I've done this since I was in high school. Set out goals. Some of them are hard goals and they're life-changing goals. And some of them are just, I want a new purse (laughs) kind of goals. But at the end of the year, I look back and I think, wow, look at all that I have accomplished according to what I set out with God's purpose. And that's very empowering. That's very satisfying to know that God has blessed you with the desires of your heart. Jacqueline, do you have a preference for long or short-term goals practically as you step out in that? Yeah, I think you have to prioritize them. I think you have to say, this is what I can accomplish this year. This is what I can accomplish in the next three or five years. This is what I can accomplish in 10 years. Some people have bucket lists that they want to accomplish in their lifetime. And that's very admirable. But I think if you can start, if you're not used to setting goals, if you start with what am I going to do this next year? And January is a perfect time to do that. You know, start affirming what you want to do, set it down, speak over it, speak God's words over it, have it blessed and see what God can do. Give it to him. You know, God says, try me and I will give you everything. So why aren't we taking him up on it? (laughs) I I sure do want him. And even if it's a dilemma, sometimes you sit and go, is this really what you want me to do, Lord? And he'll say, yes. And (laughs) are you sure this isn't just me? This is not just my, you know, I'm just, no, I want you to do this. If you listen to his word, he will speak to you, whether you hear him or you feel him or you read in his word what he wants you to be aware of. He will communicate with you. God is a 
communicator. That's so good. I've found that when we are walking in step with him, his desire for our life looks a lot like our desire for our life because we're walking in step. It's when we're not following him that our desires are contrary to the things that he has for us. If you enjoyed what you've heard so far on the Lucas Miles Show, I hope so. But if you are somebody who's out there and you're going, I need more of this, well, I have some good news for you. If you go to the App Store, you can download an app called the Oasis Network for Churches. That's the Oasis Network for Churches. And it is a free podcast, and you can listen to my Sunday morning sermons, messages. uh, There's free videos on there, all sorts of goodies. And you can also live stream the Sunday morning services at the church that I speak at, which is Oasis Church in Granger, Indiana. And uh, you can visit that through the App Store. And now back to our guest on The Lucas Miles Show. I want to look at, in page seven of the book, you ask the question, what are you afraid of? And you give this list. You say, these are some maybe common fears that people have. I'm afraid I can't do that. I'm not smart enough. I'll never lose that extra weight. I'm terrified of flying. I'm scared of heights. And you go on and it's additional things. My blood pressure is going to be the death of me. I'll never be good enough. I just can't do it. I just can't. All of these things really, according to you in this book, it produces what you call a cage of our own fear. Talk to me about that a little bit. Exactly. I mean, when you believe in fear, you've limited yourself. You've effectively said, off limits, whatever that is that I want over there, I can't have it. And already you've defeated yourself before you've even begun. That's no way to live. That's no way to accomplish anything. Well, a bad habit gets to be a bad habit because we do it repeatedly. Well, in order to erase that bad habit, you have to start saying the opposite of what the bad habit is. So if you don't want to eat cake, you can't just sit there with a cake in front of you. You've got to stop <laughs> baking the cake. <laughs> you know, but it's gluten free. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Good. I'm using cake because I love cake. Oh, but you, you've got to say, no, I'm only going to have it on my birthday. Or, no, I'm only going to have it once a week, and I'm going to count my calories the rest of the week, and I'm going to eat healthy. And I'm going to eat delicious food, but it's going to be healthy and low-calorie. And then you get to be the person that you want to be. Instead of lamenting in a corner, eating a bucket of ice cream and cake and going, gosh, if I could only lose the weight. Lord, why can't you help me lose the weight? Well, because you're not doing yourself any favors either. And and you're believing I'm not good enough because I'm overweight or I'm not good enough because pick another bad habit. I smoke or I drink or whatever it is. You're doing that to yourself. The devil isn't working on you. God isn't working on you. You've accepted that this is the cage that you're going to live in. So step out of that, break down the walls and live in a fear-free life, a free fear zone where you speak. And in my book, I have 21 affirmations that you can speak over your life. And once you get through the 21, maybe you can come up with your own 21. But it's saying positive things about yourself. I am able. I am equipped. I am positive. I am what God says I am. You know, I am a divine creature. I am a spirit-filled light being. And with that comes 
the ability to do things that all, if, if I think of it and God approves it and I'm walking, like you said, if I'm walking in line with God's will, then all of a sudden things start happening. And I'll tell you a quick story, if I may. Please. Um, so in the early part of the 21st century, we were attacked and we went to war in Iraq, as many people know. And I had two small children, two daughters. One was five and the other one was two. And I was watching what was going on during the war. As you can imagine, I'm very interested in the world events. And I saw this report about this six-year-old girl who had injuries that were not life-threatening in and of themselves, but they had no supplies to administer to her to save her life. And the reports were coming in, you know, the hospitals had been ransacked. There was no bandages. There was no sterile equipment. There was no medicine. And she was in danger of dying because of lack. And I thought, oh, my God, Lord, this is horrible. Please take care of her. Because I had a daughter almost of the same age, and I could right. feel what a horrible position that would be. I mean, it's one thing to lose your child, but to lose it because of something that's preventable is twice as heart-wrenching. And so I heard God say, well, what are you going to do? And I thought, <laughs> I'm, I'm in Houston. I, I know. I, I can't, what can I do? And he said, I've given you everything to do something. And I sat in prayer and I thought, okay. And I realized that I could. I could do all that he had called me to do. I knew people who were doctors who had access to medicine and medicinal products. And I knew politicians and I knew people at the USAID. And I knew everybody that I needed to know to get medical supplies to Iraq. And by the grace of God, he opened every door and facilitated it all to happen within a three-week period. Now, if you know anything about Washington bureaucracy, that doesn't happen. You don't pick <laughs> up the phone and have somebody answer and say, yes, how can I help you? Right. You get a recording, you know, leave your message and somebody will get back to you maybe. And that wasn't the case. Every phone call I made produced fruit. Every opportunity that God gave me led to a new and better opportunity. I got funding. I got a container full of medical equipment sent to a port in Kuwait that was going to be able to get an organization in Kuwait to take the medical supplies to the hospital in Iraq. I could have never done that. Not ever. But God called on me because he knew that he had all along the way been providing the seed that was someday going to produce this fruit. And I don't know who benefited from those products. I'll probably never go to that country and see what resulted there. But I know that God does, and I served his purpose. And that is a mighty, mighty calling. And I think God is no respecter of persons. If he can use me, he can use you. He can use anyone who is willing to do what he has called them to do. That's living in faith. That's walking in faith. That's awesome. It's all the cycles of 
fear and doubt and faith all in one. You know, why God, I can't do this. Who, you know, you got to pick somebody else. There's other people over there that can do something. And, you know, we go through all of those things, but I love the fact that you just said, okay, Lord, if this is it, I'm going to step out and I'm going to follow. And I think that one of the things that I see a principle in operation there is that you didn't try to control the process. You just started and just trusted that he's going to work this out as you move. You know, it's a combination of our obedience and stepping out with his power and ability. And we never quite know exactly what that's going to look like. We just know it's going to be faithful and it's going to be good. And I love the outcome of that story and the fact that you took that step. Well, and there's such a peace that comes from it because you don't have to think, what if I don't do the right thing? It's operating out of the realm of fear. Fear gets set aside and it has no place in your life. And all of a sudden, everything's easy because when God opens a door, no man can shut it. And if you don't need to be going through that door, believe me, it won't open. It's so empowering and so freeing and it gives you such peace and joy. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, there's all those things that come from the Spirit. And it's sometimes very hard for us to understand how we gain all those gifts. Well, it comes from operating in the spirit. Clearly, you can't do it in the flesh. Would you say it's fair to say that faith builds upon itself? David killed the lion and the bear before he ever killed Goliath. If you've never trusted the Lord with a thousand dollars, start with a hundred and walk that path. I mean, what role does the confidence factor in gaining that? Talk to us a little bit about that. Definitely. And I'm glad you brought up David because I referenced David a lot. Most people think of David the way we're taught in vacation Bible school or Sunday class. He wasn't just a young man who got called in front of Goliath and struck him with a stone. He had been in the field protecting his flock, taking care. I mean, he was brave and he spoke to God. I don't know if you've ever been out in a field under the stars, but it's an immensely humbling thing to be under the canopy of the universe. And he was out there on a regular basis with his sheep, taking care of them, watching over them, making sure that the bears and the lions didn't come and snatch them away. And he also had brothers. He was one of many brothers. And most of them were in the service of the king. They were warriors. So you know that when they came home, there was that climate of guys and warrior talk. And he was well aware of what was awaiting him when he was of age to go out and fight against the enemy. And so he already had those two elements poured into him. He was willing to fight and he was willing to listen to God. So when he stood before Goliath and said, you will not speak of my God in that way, all of a sudden those two things collided like fusion and manifested in him his calling. But then it wasn't like he just turned around and became king. He had to be a very political person in his father-in-law's court. And his father-in-law was not too happy with him as a rival. I mean, he tried to kill him several times. And you think you have in-law problems. But <laughs> hey, my in-laws really listen to this. I didn't say I had in-law <laughs> problems. I just want to clarify that. No, that was I metaphorical. So, yeah. That's right. Not everybody. <laughs> no, I have wonderful in-laws. Whatever the situation was, it wasn't pleasant for him He had to maneuver through all of that. And in everything he did, he sought God. And even in the times when he went through the dark 
Night of the Soul, where his friend, his son, passed away. He went through illnesses. He had a very bad moment there when he had his rival killed so that he could take his wife. Those were moments that God, I'm sure, was not real pleased with him, but he never turned away from God. He sought God's mercy. He sought God's forgiveness, and he reestablished himself. And ultimately, his legacy led to Solomon, and look what Solomon was able to produce. So, yes, faith definitely builds on its successes, and that's one of the assurances that we have from God, that the more we rely on him, the more he can work with us, the more he can manifest his blessings in our life. That's awesome. Such an inspiration. And Jacqueline, really, this whole message of the book is our guest today is Jacqueline Vieira Iloff. Her book is What If You Could Find Faith in the Face of Fear. You can get this wherever books are sold. Is that correct? Yes. You can go to my website, JacquelineVieiraIloff.com, and it'll refer you to several book sites that can send them to you or you can go and purchase them. If you're in Houston, you can come to the church. We have them in our bookstore and it's everywhere you are, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Make sure and check out the book. I'm actually going to recommend this to a couple ladies in our church for a uh, some small groups that we have starting off. I think it make a great life group or small group study book. And I love how you have it laid out with some really practical next steps and tools in the book that I think makes it really convenient for people going through this, whether it be with a, a prayer partner or with a group Bible study. So Thank I you. love it. Absolutely. Jacqueline, thank you for being on the show. Please give everybody at Lakewood and Joel Steen Ministries our best and welcome back anytime on the Lucas Miles Show. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. I hope the listeners are able to take in the comments that we had today and really put them to use. But thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I know it's going to be a blessing. Thank you. If you've enjoyed listening so far to the Lucas Miles Show, then I would like to invite you to head over to my website at lucasmiles.org. That's lucasmiles.org. And there you can find all sorts of goodies like my ebook, Unstoppable Grace, as well as my book, Good God. Also, if you haven't yet gone to lucasmiles.org slash missing chapter, you can go there and you can download a super secret chapter X, we're calling it, that didn't make it into Good God, but I think it's got all sorts of great material and resources for you. So in the topic of that chapter is the story of authority. So make sure and head over there and grab that. It's at lucasmiles.org slash missing chapter. And please let us know what you think.